everyone. This is Mark from the Mark for Glory podcast. Um, it's season two, episode eight already. I'm here with a special guest from Mexico. She's a nutritionist specializing in improving the quality of life for people with movement disorders. So let's get started. Buenos dias, Cynthia. How are you? <laughs> Buenos dias. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm very fine. I'm glad I'm, I'm here with you so that we can talk about a, a little about this, this mm -hmm. gaining quality of life. So here we are. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, grateful that you took the time to speak with us today. I thought uh, maybe we could start... Um, with you talking a bit about your background, um, where you grew up, uh, sort of your early childhood and how you started on the path you're on now. Yes, that sounds perfect. Well, I'm from Monterrey, Mexico. Uh, it's uh, uh, from the state of Nuevo León. Here is my region. Uh, some, some, things about here of Monterey, it's like we love meat. The meat, it's awesome for, for us. We, we are called regios uh, here in Monterey. Well, I grew up uh, since I was little. Uh, I also had this, it's awesome because my, my mother always told me that all the projects and the science firms that, I, that, uh, that the school uh, teaches, I always wanted to talk about nutrition. And I was like seven years old, eight years old. And since then, I always talk about obesity, overweight, about fruits, fruits, vegetables. So, so all, all started since, since then, since I was a little, a little kid. Then I will, in, I graduated from school. Uh, I, go, I went to the career of nutrition. During the career, well, basically in the career, in the career, we don't see about neurological diseases. It's it's kind of all this focus on diabetes, hypertension, obesity, overweight, uh, all those all these kinds of diseases. But then, when I was making some practices for my for my bachelor career, I I had the, the opportunity to meet one neurologist. The he she. It's Doctora Ingrid Estrada. She talked about uh, this project that she was making, that it was about nutrition and Parkinson's. I was, uh, I remember, I was like twenty years. I, I I didn't have my career. I was I was yes. I have twenty years when I when I when I began with this with this theme. So when she talks about me about this project, that project was awesome for me but that was she told me there's nothing about nutrition in this disease uh she specialized she was specialized or is specialized in this disease so she she said she's she told me uh cynthia would you come with me and and participate with this project i accepted and there the journey began 
it was a very difficult journey at the beginning. Uh, we know nowadays that there isn't enough uh, about nutrition. We there isn't books, so many little books or information on the on the on Google or any academic uh, research. So well, imagine those days where no one talked about nutrition in Parkinson's. We it was a very difficult journey, but we began with our patients there in the. the I was working, I was doing my practices on a, on a hospital, a university hospital, it's, it's called the name. So there I, I began to, to participate in, the, in this project. And well, we, we first we began to making, well, interviewing, no? Interviewing the patients, what, what were they eating? And it's, it's some kind of, I don't know if, if in, your, in your region, patients love candy. It's amazing. They, they, bread and candy, all the patients are, all I, I was asking them what they were eating and there was no patient, no one patient that don't tell me they did not eat bread and did not eat candy. And that was awesome because they all, uh, the majority had diabetes, the majority had overweight or obesity, and, and also Parkinson. And, and it was a journey, a very difficult, but it was amazing. And, and I had the opportunity to, to reach these, these patients. I, I'm going to make a, a little pause because I want to, to count about something that in the middle of this project, I had the opportunity uh, to, to make my master degree. And I did my master degree in public health here in Mexico. We don't have uh, a master's degree so specialized. So I, so I did my master degree in public health. I had the opportunity to go, all the master degree was, was in, well, it was focused on research. We make a lot of projects. So I had the opportunity to go to Barcelona, Spain, and I was there like four, six months where I was uh, participating in another project about quality of life, public health. Uh, uh, it was focused, this project was focused on university students. And then I came back to Mexico and continue with my project that I was doing that was Parkinson and nutrition. And I finished my degree. I make a in that inter in that period. I make I make a specialization in in neurological diseases because it was my passion. And when I made this project about Parkinson, when I had the opportunity to meet the, the people with Parkinson disease, uh, I told them every every day that I see them, they are my, like my family. Uh, it was my passion. I love seeing my patients. I love the way they they had this positive attention about their diseases and 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 also about one of the of the things that I love is that I I'm always thinking I have the opportunity to help these people and if I have this amazing uh, thing in my in my hands that that I can help them well I will do whatever it takes to help them and that's where where my passion began so. 
When I finished my, my specialized degree in neurological diseases, I began starting my PhD. I am I'm finishing my PhD. It's for four long years. So my, my PhD is in health, uh, health management and I'm focusing on the neurological. Now uh, I'm doing some kind, I'm always participating in different projects. Uh, this project began because when I was seeing my patients of Parkinson's disease, uh, we began to see that the doctors have burnout syndrome and they, were, they weren't attending the patients as, as, as they need to attend the patient. So we began this like parallel project so that we can identify what the, the doctors needed so that we can give a better uh, treatment to the patients. And this is my PhD. I'm doing, a, I'm working on a project of burnout syndrome in medical, in medical staff. Uh, I'm on the last semester. I think I, I can, I think, I don't know, <laughs> all depends on my thesis. I will be graduating in June, June, 2022. And I will be yeah, uh, a doctor already. But in all those, in all those uh, journey, I'm, Oh, I, I try to focus and not to, to forget, well, my Parkinson's disease patients. So this is a journey that I began in, well, like I told you, uh, when I was 20 years old, I'm now 31 years old. So it, it's, well, you can, you can see it's an amazing journey. I have a lot of things to, to talk about of my patients to talk about some specific cases that that, that are awesome about my patients. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations in advance, but um, the and it's um, it's very important. I I know as a patient myself and connected to other people in the community how much disconnection there is between like most doctors, neurologists and patients because they don't seem to understand what patients are going through. And, um, and I'm sure early on in your journey, especially you probably, um, had some challenges getting through to people like that were doctors and stuff. How did you overcome that? Yes, that was a very difficult challenge because we, I'm, a, I'm speaking as a nutritionist and not all doctors are the same. Not all, I, I want to specify that. But there is a big challenge because some, some many many times doctors do not consider other health professionals. Uh, they think they are the only ones that can help the patients. And then when I come, uh, you can imagine. Uh, I was on the on the department, the neurology department. Uh, that 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 days, my boss, Dr. Ingrid Estrada, she was awesome. She is a neurology that it's apart from all other the, the, the doctors. She always had this view that we had to have uh, this transdisciplinary group. So she always 
try to she's like my she's like a, our mother she always trying is trying to reunite us and but she was like the rare the rare doctor because the other doctors was like what are you why are you teaching a nutritionist in this Parkinson's disease well, she is a nutritionist she she only uh, focuses on on weight on weight loss and that's all her job and it was very difficult challenge uh, i i remember that i had some kind of difficult conversations with doctors that I, that I I like first day, hi, my name is Cynthia, I'm the nutritionist, please send me the patient because I'm going to evaluate the nutritionist, uh, all the nutritional indicators and the patient and the doctor was like, no, you don't, um, you don't have to come with me and boss me. Like you don't, I will not consider it. And it was, it, I remember those days and I cried a lot in those days. I was very little. It was difficult, but but I appreciate uh, those days because the, that kind of stuff and that kind of challenges made me said, well, okay, I, I can see you don't believe in my work, but I believe in my work and I'm seeing that my patients are improving. And uh, that I always, that this, this doctor that, that I told you, that, that Dr. Ingrid, I always try to, to, I forgot the word. Uh, let me, let me tell you the word. Support. She always support my work. <laughs> uh, and when I had this kind of difficult conversations with other doctors, I, I always go with her and tell her, well, doctor, they told me that, that, that they won't give me the patients. And she always came and go and, and was very angry with the other doctors and she always supported me. So uh, I have a lot to appreciate to her because if it wasn't for, the, for her and that she believed also in my work, we, we won't be here, we wouldn't be here. So the challenge, and not only with doctors, many patients also and nowadays i don't know if you have also had the opportunity when i talk to patients about nutrition stuff they 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 tell me i don't want to lose weight why are you going to teach me something about nutrition and and i also i also try to explain them that it's not about losing weight it's about protecting the 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 neurological cells or protecting the brain but they don't believe about it, about it, and it's it's big, it's it's been difficult. <laughs> I think uh, that's an interesting um, idea. Like we we always try and put things in boxes. Like this person has a neurological disease; they can only accept treatment from this person, right? And like sometimes as a patient, when we hear, oh, you, I did this test on you, you have this disease, therefore this is going to happen. And we confuse diagnosis with prognosis, right? Just because somebody says something, like they're only looking at one aspect of your character, right? They're not looking at the complete person, 
right? Yes, and that's a very interesting point because uh, like I always tell, all Parkinson's disease patients have a different type of Parkinson's. We can uh, make it general to everyone. It, 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 that it's impossible because um, I will have a, a patient with constipation and movement disorders and involuntary movements but then I have these patients that don't have these involuntary movements and don't have constipation. It's another type of, of Parkinson. So, and that I think that not all the doctors, but many of the doctors always try to generalize this kind of treatment to the patients. And, and one of, of the most, uh, the, the, the patients tell me uh, one of the most frequent uh, things that the patients tell me here in, Latin, in Latin America, it's that the doctor didn't explain to them what is Parkinson's. Didn't it, even that when I when I asked them in the in the in our in our in our consultation in the, the conference, I asked them, well, do you know what is Parkinson? And the patient is like, no. The doctor only told me I had to take this medication and didn't explain me why or what is happening to me or or what is Parkinson's. So, so when I when I talk to them, I, I need to do that kind of stuff that many doctors aren't doing. I don't know, and that, that it's an amazing point because, and I always I always think, and I always uh, say to myself that why that, that these doctors that have this power, but because they have a, a lot of power, don't treat the patients and don't communicate to the patients what they need to, to know. Because if, we and then then we come to the doctors and they are they get get angry because the patient don't take the medication as they do or don't don't pay attention to the specifications that the doctors make them but it's like a lack of communication between them because if you want that the patient uh, pay attention to your to your specifications well you have to communicate the patient why is that so important that they need to take this kind of medication uh, in this hour? Because it, uh, it, it's a very frequent thing that they forgot to take the medication. So they forget to take it. So it's, it's kind of, a, I always say that doctors have the power, but they, they aren't using, not all, not all of them, but they aren't using it as they do as they should do it. So it's, uh, I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about some topics that are very con uh, controversial, but it's, it's some kind of, of challenges. And in my, when I was, well, when I had these patients that they told me that they didn't know about Parkinson, well, I remember that. I, I remember telling to my, to the doctor Ingrid and tell her, Give me books. I need to learn about neurology. I need to. I need you to teach me as a neurologist because I need to teach my patients what doctors aren't teaching them. So I remember so many nights studying about neurology, uh, uh, making understand understanding, trying to understand the disease, what is what happening, what was happening on the on the brain, so that on the next day I will sit and talk to my patient and it was like a class 
uh, I, I, I always tell them, this is a class that will last like an hour, uh, an hour and a half, because I want you to first understand the disease so that you can accept. If you don't understand the disease, you won't accept because you don't know what is happening. So we need to teach the patients and we need to, to be in the, in the place of the patient, not only as a health professional, because if we only be on the paper that I am a health professional and we don't understand what is like a patient living with a disease, we won't help them as we, uh, uh, as we should. I think that's a good, oh wait, my camera went blurry, I'll try for it to fix. I'll cut that out. Okay, I know what happened there. And just a minute. Okay, there we go. Okay, so that's a very good point. And I think, um, oh, jeez. Sorry, my camera went back to just a minute. Rico, okay, cool, okay. So I think that's a very good point and certainly frustrating for lots of people I know, but I think it, um, it has a very simple solution, but it's not easy to do. And everyone, everyone has this challenge, right? It's called, it's called ego, right? They, they, um, patient comes into a doctor's office and that's when it starts when the doctor says i'm better than you are that's the problem right and you you said um simple thing you said you talk to your patients well if you start from a place if a doctor starts from a place of i'm better than you are they're not interested in talking to the patient because they have nothing to learn from the patient because they know everything. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yes. And that's a tough, I know because I've been in that, everyone's been in that situation and you have to get over that hurdle before you can get anyone to make any progress. Yes, exactly. And even me, I'm being in that situation. I've, I've been with those kind of doctors that when I go and do my work, they tell, they tell me like, wait, you are less than me. And I say, wait, no one is less than anyone. We are in the, in the same place. And you have so many important uh, studies that you have to make because you are you are treating these diseases, but I also have so many studies that I'm treating my disease, but in a different point of view. And it's, it's difficult. And here in Mexico, on my, my group, my group of neurologists, uh, I, I forgot to tell that I, I work with, a, with this group of neurologists. Uh, we are an academic group that we make uh, a lot of research in this group. 
there aren't only neurologists and the nutritionists, we have a psychologist also. And this group, uh, we teach that we, the patients goes to the, to the appointment and first the neurology uh, make the treatment. Then the patient go to the nutritionist. Then the nutri then the patient go to the to the psychologist. And then uh, uh, that's when he finishes and he can go home. But first we they uh, all the patients have to pass to all the professionals. So I I think that these doctors because I I work a lot with another doctor that he's awesome also. He's he's doing this. He he won these. Uh, award, or I, I'm remembering the word uh, about the the he won he won this award and he is uh, now here is in, uh, in Argentina Buenos Aires in the Society of Michael Fox Parkinson he is a neurologist uh, Dr Sergio Estrada uh, Sergio Castillo perdón sorry <laughs> este uh, he is also a neurologist that he says when you talk to him he always is frustrated with another neurologist that also he he had had the opportunity to to talk with them and that when patients come to 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 her to his uh, appointments he he's also frustrated and angry because they didn't explain my patient anything they don't hear my patient and he he also always is is this angry because other neurologists don't take the time like you say to to hear the patient to uh, and and i think that this this specifically this point it's one of the points that i see here in mexico in my region that more patients are are trying to teach to reach us because they're seeing this kind of treatment that we are giving to the patients and i, I like i always tell to all my patients uh, a lot of i have a lot of a lot of senior patients and i always tell them you are all of my patients are like my my grandparents look i i always see them like my grandparents and 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 we have these like we have this kind of communication that I, I began to, to ask them, well, what do you feel? Why do you don't want to eat? Why do you uh, are having this problem? Because if we don't uh, communicate with them in this kind of, of conversations that are a little deep, deep conversations, we won't, we are trying to help them. And if, in, and if the patient don't tell us exactly what they are feeling, we aren't going to kill them. It's independently they they're taking or no or no their medications. So it's a very interesting point. It's a very challenging point because, like I always say, and I when I have the opportunity to to teach me, uh, young or or medical students. Uh, when I have this opportunity to teach them, because uh, some 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 sometimes I have this opportunity to to be their teacher, and I always tell them that most important thing in your in your career is the patient. It is not what you know; it's the patient. If you do not consider the patient and what he or she is feeling, you won't be a great professional.
independently, what are your strengths? So I think this change will be in the younger students, medical students, because it's a very challenging and difficult thing that we can change a lot of, of neurologists that are older. So it's a it's an interesting thing. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely challenging. Um, I've read a brain book that says, you know, as as people grow older, whatever they believe becomes more set in stone and it gets harder to change. Right? Yes. Right. Yes, yes. It's it's more it's more difficult. I I always tell them when I had these challenging experiences that my work will always talk to for me. I not my ego, know who I am not what I, I had studied, no, my work. When you see my patients and see what, how they are feeling, that, that it's talking about me. And, and it's a very interesting point. Yeah, right. If, uh, if people don't know who you are, you have to work harder, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so before, uh, when we talked, you were, uh, talking about, um, and this is a unique point for a health professional to say, because, um, honestly, most of them don't talk this way, but you were saying that, um, the biggest thing that can impact, uh, patient's health is the acceptance of their uh, disease or disability. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, it's a, this thing I always tell them to all my patients, I had the experience that I, I always talk to all, all the people I know. My first patient that I see in with Parkinson's disease when I was 20 years, I, I, I am very happy that nowadays I am still seeing him. He 11 years uh, attending to me. And th this patient is awesome. He, he believed in our work. He believed in the medical in the medical treatment. He believed in the nutritional treatment, in the exercise. That is also a very important thing. In the psychology, he believed in these in these things. And he's, I, I always remember the first time that I see this patient, he was, uh, oh, he was diagnosed that same day. And he said, he said to me, well, okay, it's a, a very impact. Uh, I didn't, I didn't expect this. I have Parkinson, but the disease won't, uh, won't win me. I am the, the, uh, I am the owner of this body know the disease. So if Parkinson's wants to live in my body, uh, he will have to, to live with my rules. And I was like, wow, he is accepting the disease. And he now you see the, this patient and he doesn't seem like he has Parkinson. He, you see it and he's perfectly. But why he's like that? Because he always is seeing what he is eating in the nutritional and the nutrition things. He is always doing exercise and, and all kinds of exercise. 
when he sees or or feels that another symptoms another symptom is appearing, he runs to the neurology so that he can be treated uh, at in time. And he's like like this, uh, seeing his body, watching everything of his body so that he can focus and treat it uh, earlier and not when already is advanced. So. I, he's my number one experience. And I also had the other opportunity with other patients that when they accept that they have Parkinson and they, 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 because sometimes they are in this kind of vulnerable and this vulnerable emotion and, and all the drama in, in this, they're always, uh, sad, they're always crying with this drama because the disease. Why me? Why me? And you don't, uh, you don't. Well, you don't focus on the. You try to 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 tell the patient. Well, it's not you. It's something that happens to many people. And if you don't accept it, that you are not the only one in this world with this disease. If you don't accept this disease, you won't. Uh, progress in this in the in a positive way so I had the experience that when my patients accept the disease it's a difficult thing it's not an uh, an easy thing it's it's kind of impacting it's kind of very emotional things came came across but when they accept the disease and when they say okay body they talk to their body and say okay we are having this disease well, I'm going to do what it's on my hands to have a healthy body so that disease don't advance. And, and that I, I think that this is one of the, the, the most important things we have to understand about Parkinson. We know that Parkinson ha has not a cure. We know we are, with all the researchers worldwide are trying to find a cure, but when they in this time that they're trying to find this cure we know that the disease we can stop it and we can can make that the disease don't advance so fastly but if we if we make this this acceptance and say okay i have parkinson i don't want that the disease advance well you have to pay attention on what you're eating pay attention on your habits and not only the, the nutritional habits, all the habits that we have, exercise, uh, these tricky habits that there we know we, we, we know that we should not be doing, but we are doing it. So when you focus on this, uh, I can secure you that the disease will not advance as fast as, as, as it should be. And um, I know most of your work is on Parkinson's. What other diseases do you have experience with and have you um, treated? Well, one of the most challenging diseases that I treated, that I also participated in some project, it's this new disease. I don't know if you've already heard it. It's Huntington disease. This is a very challenging disease because we have we already have two childs, five years, four years more or less with this disease. 
And this disease, it's a very difficult to see them, to see these little kids wanting to go and run and play and et cetera, but they don't, don't, they can't make this kind of stuff. So uh, this is more one of the most challenging diseases I have. I treat a lot of neurological disease. Uh, one of the Down syndrome, Down syndrome there, I love these patients with Down syndrome. They're awesome to work. I think I always say that these these uh, patients are the most the, the perfect patient that uh, all the patients want. They follow all your specifications and they should. And they they're awesome. Also, I also see one of my folks. I also see some kind of the of the most typical diseases like diabetes, hypertension. Obesity. I always say that the patients with overweight and obesity are the more difficult patients because they don't want to hear me. And uh, the diabetes, I say, don't eat candy, and they are eating candy right in front of me. No, and and the, I also treat these patients, but I specifically focus my, most on neuro, neurological. I am. I was forgetting one that it's. Let me tell you the name in English. Uh, it, it, uh, it's epilepsy. Uh, it's, it's, it's the same way as Spanish. Epilepsy patients, I also treat them. The diets for all kinds of diseases are completely different. We can't use the diet for epilepsy to Parkinson. No, it's the, uh, a big X right now. We can do the diet with Parkinson's disease and Huntington because they are similar. No, there are different diseases. There are, there are different kind of stuff occurring in the brain. So we can use the same treatment to, the, to those patients. So this is almost of all, all the diseases that, I, that I'm working with. Are there, um, is there anything that is common about what you may um some dietary changes you may make is there anything in common like maybe no gluten no sugar stuff right. like that well the most interesting thing and the most that always that we all know is no sugars the, the sugars it's they don't make any positive thing to the body any positive positive thing uh, about gluten, uh, this gluten we cannot generalize because there are patients that they don't have this, this sensibility to the gluten. So uh, I think in neurological diseases, uh, I'm talking about uh, Parkinson and Huntington, I think proteins. Proteins, we can generalize it to these, to these diseases because are the most important nutrients that the body needs. Uh, we have a lot of kind of proteins, proteins or amino acids, and and this is one kind of that we have to pay attention to that the kind of amino acid that we are giving to the body. Uh, and in epilepsy, for example, these patients it's with gluten, no gluten. These patients no no carbohydrates. It's like keto diet. And I can tell more or less these are the the, the nutrients, the more important nutrients. And also, and I was forgetting them, the vitamins. The vitamins, I think that it's a nutrient that all patients, rather the disease they have, all patients needs to consume. Vitamins and minerals, especially complex B vitamins, 
uh, vitamin D, that it's the, one of the most important vitamins, uh, and of minerals, iron, magnesium are the most, most important that we all have to pay attention to these nutrients. Um, let's talk about vitamin D for a second, because, um, I mean, I've done some reading on it, and uh, I know that, or I understand rather, that in a wind, in a country where it snows a lot, like where I am, uh, during the winter, you want to take almost double what you do during the summer, right? Yes. I was told that in the summer, you should be taking around three to five IU international unit. And then, yes. and then during the winter, about like eight or nine. Does that sound about right? Yes, it's more or less. Uh, we have patients that we give them 10 UI, international units. Uh, but for example, in Parkinson's disease, the vitamin D has to be bigger, has to be higher uh, compared with other disease. Uh, we have patients with, with most severe Parkinson's that we, we there are already many researchers that has find this relationship between Parkinson and vitamin D. And this, because vitamin D helps with the neurotoxicity that it's that the Parkinson's disease patients have. So we have patients that we do give them 10 international units per day. But I, I want here to make a specific point. It's only in those patients that have like more severe uh, uh, a more severe disease. It regards the 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 well, that is the season about the sun, whatever. Here in Mexico, for example, we have a lot of, of sun. And if we if I give a patient here at ten eight through nine uh, international units of vitamin D, it's an excess because we have we exposed to a lot of sun. So. More, I I try to tell them that go and be like in the sun, take some some bath of suns of sun, and that it's that it's only the thing they 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 need. But if you are in regions where there isn't enough sun, well, uh, the the recommendation that you are telling it's right. It's the the one that they they should consider. And that's the um, only nutrient that you can't get through food, right? Yes, exactly. That's the only nutrient. You, you can find it in like, for example, spinach. It has a little bit of vitamin D, but it isn't enough. Vitamin D, it's in the body. It works with all of the of the systems of the body. We need a lot of vitamin D that the food won't give us. So one of the more of the more important ways to have the to complete these recommendations, your daily recommendation is the sun. But we also have these regions that they don't have sun and they have to take this vitamin D because uh, they can uh, begin to have some problems or some symptoms because of this deficient or oh, deficiency in vitamin D. Um, 
And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I understand that uh, you can can have too much vitamin D. You can literally overdose on it. Is that the only? Are there other supplements or vitamins you can have too much of? Well, uh, this is a point that I, I I always telling everyone that I know that I think we need some regulations in vitamins and minerals. I don't know why the WHO organization or other health organizations aren't making these regulations because uh, there be patient all 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 nutrients in excess are are wrong. You're going to have an overdose. So it's very interesting, for example, when COVID-19 began. It was, I don't know in your region, but here in Mexico, all the, the pharmacies were having, all of the people were, were buying these, these vitamins and this, this mineral because they, their belief is that they will uh, make their immunological system better. And, they had overdose because they were taking vitamin C like 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 it was a candy. They, uh, vitamin C, iron, uh, complex B vitamins, and then we had in the in the in their attendance or their 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 appointments people that were were with headaches with with that had gastrointestinal problems, and they say I don't know why. Well you had overdose of vitamin C or you had overdose or, of iron. And, and this overdose of, of these vitamins and minerals, if we don't identify them, you can make you a disease because this overdose. And it, it's some kind, I think that it's, it, this applies with every vitamin and every mineral. And we, that's why we did the WHO, the WHO uh, organizational, uh, the health organization, has these daily recommendations because if you pass these daily recommendations, you will have some kind of difficult or, or health issue. And on the otherwise, if you don't consume it and don't uh, don't consume the the dose the doses that you should, you always you also will have some issue or health problem. So I think this this needs to be regulated. I hope so that it it, it regulates it uh, faster. But it's a it's a very interesting point. Like I always say, people don't know how to use these vitamins and minerals because there there isn't anyone teaching us how to use them. Anyone tell us? No one. Even in our in our careers, they're only telling us the daily recommendations. But there are no one the uh, see, telling the people, well, you know that this disease it appears when you have a vitamin C uh, overdose. No one knows about this. So it's, I think that you should pay attention to what you are consuming. And uh, that's sort of, um, I thought of another point. So, you know, when we have sort of these chronic illnesses, like say, uh, Parkinson's or Huntington's or taxi or whatever there we get prescribed these medications right but um rarely if ever I I don't really know the numbers on it but 
I don't see it happening where a doctor would say, okay, here's the plan to get you off it, right? Mm -hmm. We're we're just going to give you this thing to take for the rest of your life, right? Right. And then, so it's, and then they're upping the dose, but they're never lowering it or never trying to get rid of it. Okay. Yes, like like you're uh, you 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 want to know that they don't have like a limit. Like a... It, it, they don't really it it seems to me kind of like guessing. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna give you this pill to help you with this thing, but we have no plan as to when you have to stop taking it because <laughs> We don't know how, what to do. We're just going to give you this. Yes, like, like if they were playing with your, with your body, no? If you're playing with your health. Well, this, the doctors and all of the, the, the health professionals that are recommending these kind of medications or vitamins or minerals, they have these guides. They have these guides that, that comes from researchers that tell, tell them that, okay, Levodopa, for example, uh, here is the, the like this, this limit of Levodopa that you can give the patient, this, this range of Levodopa. And I, I recommend you, the guides, these guides tell them this, I recommend you that start with meal uh, for, because they won't start with the, 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 well, that superior limit. They will start with little. But they have, yes, they have these limits. Yes, they have. But it's, I, I talk, I, here I talk about, about the Parkinson's disease. Remember the thing that I, that I told you uh, before. It's very difficult because everybody is different. Every organism is different. Every metabolism is different. And you can, you, for example, you can take you, some kind of levodopa, 10 milligrams of, of levodopa. But, and, and somehow to you, it's working perfect, these 10 milligrams. But I give this, this same amount to another patient and it doesn't work any kind of, of nothing. They, it's like they are not, not uh, taking this levodopa. So it's, I, I understand these doctors that it's a difficult point also to them because yes, they're like, like I forgot the word. The word, yes, it it sees like they're uh, playing, or like they're guessing about the the, the amount of, of medication that they have that they have to give you. But yeah, uh, well, in their point of view and trying to to defend them a little bit <laughs> is that they have these limits. They have this range of levodopa. And they teach them how to begin to do, do to do the treatment. Uh, in the case of, of lower medication, in in well, for example, in Mexico, I know patients that they give them, for example, they go to the the, the superior limit, and then the patient that levodopat did make an overdose, for example, or, or began to to appear new new symptoms. And they and reduce it. I know patients that they, that hear the neurologist. Yes, they reduce the treatment and and go to well. They are playing like in this limit and the less limit for the for the 
for the, the greater limit. And for example, yes, the, we, one patient that is very like unique. We have this patient that he was uh, taking Levrupa Pramipexol. It's another treatment uh, here in, in Mexico. Uh, he was taking this medication and he was perfectly, but then we, because of COVID, that he didn't attend to the to the medical appointments and nutritional appointments. Well, the Parkinson advanced. So uh, the the logic of the doctor is well, I'm going to give him more medication so that the Parkinson can control. But when he was giving him more medication, it wasn't. Uh, the the well the way that the that we expected that the patient will act no it, it doesn't well he make a very difficult decision when he take off all the medication for a little point of like disintoxicating him and it was perfect it was a very unique patient. Uh, like taking off all the levodopa, all the permipexol. Uh, he was like one month with no medication. And then we began like in zero, giving him again and perfect. The Parkinson control, he began to, to do the things he was doing uh, before the, the pandemic. And it was a very unique, he was, my, I remember this doctor, this neurologist, my friend, he was like, I don't know what is happening. That this is something that I've never seen. And so like, well, how is working his body? I don't know how how this happens. So this is some some kind of difficult, also challenging things for the doctors about the the, the, the treatment or the or the medications. Yeah, I think uh, when anybody you lose that sense of curiosity and you know, wanting to learn more, then uh, it's very hard to help people. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, and I remember, for example, this, this doctor, when, when we were having this experience of, of this patient, we were like, okay, I'm doing this with medical treatment. What can you do with your nutritional treatment? And we're, because for example, one of the, the, most, the most important things in nutrition is that if you have some uh, constipation or any kind of, of gastrointestinal problem, the medication won't absorb uh, as, as it should. So we were seeing a lot of stuff. We were doing, okay, he hasn't uh, constipation, but uh, he's having some kind of inflammation about gas, gas and and it, it's very, but here is where, like you say, health professionals have to have this ambition or this, or this, well, uh, how can I explain it? This kind of, I want to learn more. I want to learn what is happening to the body because we will always have this patient that is rare, that is completely different from all the patients that we have treated. And that, all the patients we treated, we gave some kind of, of treatment and it's perfect. And it's like, okay, I'm giving them similar treatments and it's working well, but there always come this patient and with this body and metabolism that it's completely different. And if you don't uh, take time 
to, to make these courses or to capacitate in these research, etc., you won't be able to treat this patient because like I always tell, every patient is different and we are always experiencing different things with the patients. So if uh, somebody is newly diagnosed with a, a disease like Parkinson's, Huntington's, whatever, um, what is your, what would, what advice would you give to them? Where should they start? Okay, well, uh, if you are new diagnosed, I recommend that you learn about your disease. You have to, it's like you have to do your PhD in your disease. You have to know about what is happening to your body so that you can be able to accept your disease, say, okay, I have this. Uh, I always say, tell that the new diagnosed are the most that have the, all the control in their hands because they can make, they can do a lot much to their body than the Parkinson's or Huntington's or other disease that it's in a severe uh, stage. So if you are new diagnosed, know your disease, talk about your disease, ask your health professionals every little doubt that you have about your disease. We are in the other in the other side as all of the, all of uh, I as a health professional or any doctor, nurse, med, any kind of health professional, we need we have to teach you about your, your disease. If you have a doubt and a health professional don't don't explain your doubt, go to another health professional. As simple as it as it sounds, go to another health professional because you have the your, the body is yours and you have this, well, this kind of, I forgot the word, but I'm trying to tell you that accept your disease and go and not only with medical treatment, go with your nutritionist specialized in Parkinson, always search a nutritionist where a dietitian that knows about Parkinson because I had had cases that they treat nutritionists, treat patients with Parkinson, and they do a mess because they don't know the disease. And always, always that you are going with a health professional, you have to know her, her or his background so that they know about that disease because if they don't know about the, this disease, they won't be able to help you. So go to, to, to a dietitian, go to a psychology because this is also very important because he or she will help you to, to accept your disease uh, more faster and will help you to understand why this, why this disease is happening, understand this emotional impact that brings the disease, that, that is bringing with the disease. So if you're new diagnosed, don't be afraid. Don't have this fear to the disease. Uh, I, I can tell you that you are not the only one that there we in the other sense and the other side, we are a lot of health professionals trying to help you try.
Well, before we, before we end today, Cynthia, I was uh, wondering if you're working on any projects that you uh, you want to share with people, or where can people find out more about what you're working on? Well, I am. I had this kind of surprise. I am working. In what time that it would be ready for you for that I can share it. But I'm working in this book about nutrition and uh, nutrition disease in neurological diseases and spe I'm specifying in Parkinson's disease. Uh, I will share with you when I have it ready. I'm, I'm liking this process that I'm working on. So when I have it ready, I will make it on Spanish and English in all the book versions so that, that all the, the ones that don't speak Spanish can also have this information on your hands. Uh, I'm uh, this book. It, it would be awesome. I, I'm trying to to focus on this stuff that you will understand. That it will be easy to digest, and that that I will teach you. I am trying on this book to teach you all what I know about the disease. I want that if when I I see a patient with Parkinson's disease and had already read this book, they say, oh. I, I know all that all what you what you teach us. I I can manage my disease like you teach us. So I will share with you on my on my social media. I have this social media in Facebook or Instagram that it's called Nutrik. It's Nutri CK that it's my name, Cynthia Karina. It's like abbreviation of my name. So when I have more more information about this you tell you should know that i will share it <laughs> okay that's great um actually i thought of one last question so um you know i've tried a few different diets and things and you know some of them are quite can be quite strict right <laughs> yeah. and they become very hard to do over a long period of time, right? So how do you, like, obviously, since everyone is different, how do you determine, oh, this person needs to be a bit more strict and this person can maybe, um, no, they need to be strict maybe like 80% of the time but they can have a candy or a cake every now and then? Yes. Well, this, this stuff, I determine it since the first appointment because uh, it's very, for me, it's very obvious because uh, in the first appointment, uh, the, the one that, it's, that I have to be strict always tell me, always ask me, where is my bread or or where, where is all this sugar stuff? And and when they ask me this, I say, oh, I'm going to have problems with you. <laughs> and and I, I, I need to, with this, these people, I need to be okay. I need you to, from Monday to Saturday, I need you to be very strict with your diet, but maybe on Sunday you can have some kind of sugar. Uh, I need to, to be this kind of, uh, I think that I'm not strict. Uh, I, know I, am, I do not consider that I'm strict because I try to understand your, your, this 
I forgot the, the word that I had it in Spanish, but these cravings. I, I try to understand the cravings or, of the persons. So one easy way is identifying this. When they tell me in the first appointment they want some special kind of, of, of food, I know this patient will be busy. So it will be, <laughs> he won't make me <laughs> make all the, all the specifications that I tell. But on the other hand, a person that I know I can trust the diet in him, it's this patient that knows about sugar, that they tell me, yes, I like sugar, but I know that it's dangerous for my body. And when I eat it, I know that it's only a piece. When there is a patient that tells me that, that I, I know I can feel confident that he will make the diet. And, and and that and that there is no problem if if I can if I don't don't be so much strict with him or her. <laughs> um. Okay. Last last question. So um, you uh you mentioned that sugar was something that you try and get people to avoid. You're talking about added sugar, right? Not sugar in a banana or strawberry. Uh Yes, exactly, exactly, yes, 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 yes. For example, here in Mexico and Latin America, there is this kind of cravings or this kind of intense cravings for, here we call it pan dulce. It's like this bread, sugar bread, and these muffins and, and all, all this kind of bread. It's a very difficult thing. <laughs> so that I can teach my patients to not eat it. Uh, cookies and all these kind of, that we know that have chocolate cookies, uh, this kind of industrialized sugar. Um, well, I'd like to thank you, Cynthia, for taking the time to speak with me today. It was a really good conversation. <laughs> yes, well, thank you for inviting me. I hope that you all these, these, what we were talking about reaches more people, reaches more patients, and not only in Parkinson, in every disease, because uh, I want to tell you that what I am speaking here, it, it's like generalized for other diseases. Uh, it's generalized, the concept is the same. And I hope this information will helps, helps all the, the, the people worldwide that are hearing us. And, okay, mm -hmm. thanks. Thanks for Thank your you. time today and uh, have a great rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Bye. Nice to meet you. Mm -hmm. What did you think of this episode? Let us know by leaving a comment below.